PodRocket is sponsored by LogRocket, a front-end monitoring and product analytics solution. Don't know what that is? Go to LogRockets.com. Thanks. Hey everyone, and welcome to PodRocket. Today I'm here with Yuhan Eliasson from Enhost. He is here to talk about backends as a service and the awesome product they're building. So welcome, Yuhan. Thanks, Ben. Uh, happy to be here. Thank you. Um, so maybe you could give us a quick introduction about yourself and Enhost. Yeah, uh, sure. So I'm a uh, software engineer and in, an entrepreneur, I usually um, uh, say. So I have one, one leg in entrepreneurship and one in uh, software engineering. Um, and throughout my uh, career, I think I've um, just combined those two in various, um, various places. And yeah, like always building stuff, uh, always have side projects, always uh, try to uh, learn the latest technologies. And that's sort of one of the, one of the reasons why I, I uh, started Enhost. <laughs> so, so yeah. So Enhost is a uh, it's a backend as a service. So it's like a alternative to Firebase, also open source, but with a with a GraphQL API. Um, so uh, I think a lot of your listeners uh, know about Firebase. So it's an alternative to that. Yeah, we've um, we've done Firebase on the show. We've had uh, Superbase on the show. So very familiar with this set of tools. And so I'm curious. You know, it seems like, or it sounds like GraphQL is kind of one of the big differentiators for Enhost. So a bit more context, like what does the database look like? Is it a um, NoSQL, no SQL? And then how does the GraphQL APIs work? Like do you, can you use any client or do you have client libraries? Curious to hear a bit more about that. Uh, absolutely. So the stack you get uh, on Enhost is a Postgres database. So it's a relational SQL database, which uh, was very important for me when we built it. So it's not a no, uh, no SQL database. And so so we're using Postgres and we're using something called Hasura. So Hasura had this amazing software. Uh, so they have this GraphQL engine that sits on top of uh, Postgres and automatically, instantly generates a GraphQL API for you based on your tables and your columns and everything that you have in Postgres. So they, they automatically generate the GraphQL for you and it's a real-time GraphQL API. So they're using what, what's called subscriptions in, uh, in uh, the GraphQL spec. So we have the database, we have the GraphQL API layer, uh, we also have authentication and we have storage and we have serverless functions. So we try to offer all the fundamental building blocks that is required for a developer and a, or a team of developers building any application. So we provide the, we provide our customers with, with these building blocks. Uh, we host it for them. We scale it. We secure them. Uh, we manage them. Uh, so our customers can focus on what's important for 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 their business and for you know focusing on the product they are building for their customers. And so on the front end, can you use any GraphQL client? Like can I use Apollo client or any GraphQL client for JavaScript that supports subscriptions? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. You can use any any so we're like 
you can use any GraphQL client, um, like uh, where Enhost stop is like we, we handle the backend and then what you're doing on the front end, you can use any, 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 uh, client library. We, we provide some client libraries to make it easy with authentication and storage. When it comes to GraphQL, there is so much good tooling. So uh, as you mentioned, there is the um, Apollo client. There is various other clients. There are clients for Flutter. So yeah, so, so on the front end, usually you can use these. Or you can use these um, other libraries. And when you're designing your backend, are you using like how do things like API security, API authentication and stuff work? Like, do you, does it all come out of the box or, or do you configure Hasura with this, the normal Hasura API? Yeah. Uh, so permission is handled by Hasura, inside Hasura. So Hasura is not just the GraphQL API. Uh, they, they, not, they don't only generate the GraphQL API, but they also have permissions uh, built into it. So you create these Boolean permissions to make sure that the, that your end users are allowed to insert, update, uh, read, and delete what they uh, should uh, be allowed to do. So that is handled by uh, Hasura. And, uh, and that connects to our authentication module that is sort of tailored to work with Hasura. So our authentication module generates the correct JWT tokens with the correct claims. So when you're communicating with uh, your backend via your GraphQL API, it's Hasura understands who is a user and what are uh, th- what are this uh, user allowed to do and not. And with Hasura, do you do those authentication rules? Is it like declarative? Like I think Firebase has a kind of... Uh, a, like almost like a JSON syntax where you declare the auth rules for different parts of your tree of data. Is it, or is it imperative? I'm just curious, like how Hasura does auth rules? Yeah, for sure. So uh, inside, so Hasura, I have this GraphQL um, engine, as I said, generating the GraphQL API, but they also have a Hasura console. So Hasura console is like a UI where you can manage your uh, database. And this is also where you can manage and create your permissions. So you can sort of go, you can select your table and then you select uh, what users are allowed to do or not do uh, on that particular table. So it could be something like, well, you're only allowed to read um, uh, these row if your user ID matches like a user ID on the table or in a relational uh, table to that row that you're uh, creating permissions on. So, so you create these. Uh, you can you uh, you can create. Uh, you can tell you can say that it's a boolean permission system. So you like um, create these boolean rules that either returns true or false if if the permission passes or not. Does that UI spit out some sort of like config file that you can put in version control? Or I'm curious how uh, yeah how people collaborate on rules. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's correct. Uh, when you generate these uh, permissions and change anything else in the Hasura console, all metadata uh, are saved into metadata YAML files that you can then version control in in, in Git. Same thing goes for the database. So when you create a table inside the Hasura console, the uh, correspondent migration files are also generated automatically. So if you you know create a table, you name it something, you create it, uh, automatically there will be uh, generating uh, the uh, yeah the generation of migration files for the database will also be there. Moving on a bit, um, you mentioned in addition to database, there's auth, there's storage, there's serverless. So maybe we could talk about auth. Um, do you leverage an existing open source auth tool or is this something you built? And um, how, how does auth work? What sign-in methods do you support? Yeah, this goes back to the story, sort of why Enhos started, because I found about 
find out found out about Hasura, but Hasura only takes care of the things that we talked about, like the GraphQL layer, you, uh, and they leave authentication for developers to figure out themselves. So you can use Auth0 or any other Auth provider that generates the correct JWT tokens. So what I did back in, this was probably 2018, I open sourced the, uh, I built an open source library called Hasura Backend Plus, takes care of authentication and storage and specifically for Hasura. And this is also what we are using uh, with Nhost. So like I figured, well, Hasura is great. Postgres is great. We need to have some way of easily, um, you know, integrate authentication and storage because usually that's what you need. So, and a lot of other people uh, needed that as well. And that later became Nhost because I figured, well, now we have all the building blocks and, you know, just make it easy to to use. So, um, uh, and we support... Um, you know, email, password. We uh, we support the the regular OAuth providers. Like you can log in with GitHub, Google, I don't know, Spotify, Steam, all these different providers. <laughs> um, we recently, or we're gonna release Magic Link support here in the coming days. Uh, so we're adding features to that. So yeah, it's an important piece of of uh, our product offering. And is storage, like, is it like a S3 compatible API blob storage? Is that the right way to think about it? Um, it's, uh, well, we, use, we use S3 under the hood, but it's sort of a layer between S3 that also integrates with the Hasura permissions. So you can use sort of the same Hasura permissions to make sure the user is allowed or not allowed to upload certain files on certain directories. And then we save everything into uh, an S3 uh, bucket um, and internally we're using Minio, which also which is like an S3 open source equivalent of uh, AWS S3. Um, but yeah, and storage we actually have some quite big changes coming up. Uh, we're rethinking the way store uh, the way we're going to use storage, but it's it's still going to be S3 in the back end uh, with with Hasura permissions uh, in between. So some some really cool things coming up there. And uh, finally, serverless. You know, any kind of differences in how you think about serverless versus something like Lambda? Yeah. Uh, so at the moment, we sort of implemented serverless functions, very similar to how Vercel is doing it. So you just have your API folder and you create your folder and file structure that becomes the endpoints. And uh, you just have like HTTP request handlers. Uh, and then you can build anything with um, with uh, TypeScript or Node. And but actually what we have in plan and what we've built for is for people to bring their own Docker containers um, to to run any HTTP server in any language they'd like. Uh, and that's, some, that's a, like an up and coming features, feature. Um, so so maybe, maybe we're thinking a little bit different there, but we're starting off by these tools that people are familiar with. I think a lot of people are familiar with the, the API folder structure of, of uh, Vercel or Next.js. And so... Talk to me a bit about hosting. So I, I saw on your website you use DigitalOcean, but I'm curious, do you offer both like a hosted solution and obviously being open source, folks could self-host or how, how do your users usually think about that? Uh, yeah, that's correct. So everything is open source. So you can self-host the whole Nhost uh, project stack. No, no pro- problem. Uh, and what we're providing is like a one-click, you know, you get everything up and running in 45 seconds. Um, and we're using DigitalOcean at the moment, but we're um, in the process of actually moving out, moving to AWS to support more locations and uh, to support some other cool features that that um, AWS can help us offer. Uh, where you know where maybe DigitalOcean is 
lacking a little bit feature wise. But uh, mainly it's because like we're rebuilding our we're building our own infrastructure, so we we thought okay uh, might as well move to AWS or or some other big provider to support more locations because we're getting getting a lot of requests from different locations and you know different data laws with you know Europe and Australia South Africa Korea. so we want to be on those locations um, and also at the same time provide better scalability uh, so that's what we're working on yeah I I was. I was curious about DigitalOcean because I, I feel like it's declined. Maybe this is just my feeling, but I feel like it's declined in popularity the past couple of years. But you know, if someone didn't have concerns about um, you know, geolocation in terms of where they're locating their data, would you recommend DigitalOcean as a good hosting provider for for a stack like Enhost? Or uh, are you finding that just it doesn't have the the level of features AWS has, and it's not worth it for the maybe cheaper pricing or simpler interface? Yeah, no, I think DigitalOcean um, is a really good service uh, and cloud provider. Um, I, I like if you're happy with DigitalOcean or you're starting out, I think definitely definitely DigitalOcean is the place to go. AWS is more mature; they have more locations, but they're also more enterprise uh, focused. So, which means you need to know um, a lot more uh, to get started. But in terms of scalability in these kind of like things, a DigitalOcean is perfectly fine. Like if you do, like if you uh, if you want, if you're happy with their locations and they have good locations, right? They have locations in US, Europe, and and various other places. So they cover a lot of uh, areas. So yeah, no, uh, big shout out to DigitalOcean. I think they're great. I've been using them for years. Uh, it just now happens that uh, we we <laughs> we need to we need more locations. Um, yeah, that's a big thing I'd say. And so I want to circle back to Firebase and Superbase, uh, which are kind of two competitive tools that come to mind. Maybe starting with Firebase, I'm curious, like, what's the the competitive pitch for why use Enhost instead of Firebase? Yeah, so um, three things uh, technical-wise. So number one is a relational database instead of a NoSQL database. And this, this I think, is very important. I think people are starting to realize that this is definitely very important for, for building applications because you get you can normalize your data, you get data integrity, and there's all kind of safety features around using a, no, uh, a, a relational database that you don't get with a NoSQL database. Maybe it's a little little bit slower, like building proof of concepts, but uh, but the advantages that you get with a relational database definitely uh, is worth it. So relational database number two is um, is GraphQL, and GraphQL like it's such a great technology and. Um, it gives front-end engineers superpowers, frankly. Like it's it just makes sense. Like it was open source from Facebook. Like I, I was like I looked through the YC companies. Like everyone is using GraphQL. Like you have Stripe using GraphQL. You have uh, Airbnb using GraphQL. Like it's everywhere on in these large corporations. The problem is um, it's very hard to build a graph like a good GraphQL engine. But now with something like Hasura, which automatically generates it, uh, it's sort of democratized, and now indie hackers can start using GraphQL. So that's another piece. And the the last thing is open source. So we're 100% open source, um, and there is no lock-in effect. And um, this, I think, just uh, what do you say? Like rhymes with the community, or like it's just 
it's just what developers want in these times. And maybe like a f- fourth thing that I can mention is we've taken a lot of inspiration of uh, or from Vercel and uh, Netlify how they cr- like how they have their developer experience being super nice. Like it's it's just it just makes sense when you're using these services and they make it so easy and they have the you connect your github repository and everything is connected and we try to do the same so we also have like a github integration and you can develop locally and you can push your changes to your repository and we will automatically deploy it and so we try to try to create the same super nice experience that netlify and vercel is doing for the front end we are trying to do that for the back end and then how about Superbase? Because Superbase is open source, so it does have that advantage. Um, but you know, curious why Nhost and, uh, instead of Superbase? Um, I think the GraphQL part is definitely a big one. It just makes sense. Like you have, like you have uh, Postgres on the database, you have uh, type safety there, and you then you can have GraphQL also type safety, and then you have TypeScript running on the front end. So you like have type safety through your whole stack with something like. Uh, uh, with GraphQL and also just the, the way you query. So yeah, GraphQL is a is a big one. Otherwise, I think we're very similar. I feel like like you um, maybe we are pushing it a little bit more on um, just the experience, how you connect your GitHub repository, like trying to be a little bit like Netlify and Vercel. Uh, but both of uh, both Nhost and Superbase are very early companies, so we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens here in the, in the coming coming years. But I, I just feel like it, it's so great uh, that there are coming so many good alternatives for front-end engineers. Uh, it's, it's just like it makes me very happy that uh, front-end engineers have more alternatives. It's not just Firebase. Uh, there are these open source tools that you can use as well. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just, I'm just uh, very great. I think, yeah, I'm just very grateful for... Um, the, the tools that that uh, enables more front-end engineers build more cool stuff. Yeah, so I'm curious to hear a bit about the company itself. I know you recently raised a seed round of funding. So what was it like to, to, to raise money? And um, you know, maybe any advice for other folks looking to raise money for an open-source dev tool project? Uh, how, what was it like? Um, it was um, a lot of uh, Zoom calls <laughs> uh, for the last <laughs> yeah. for the last uh, year, uh, which was fine. I mean, we're I'm in Sweden. My co-founder uh, he's from the Azores outside Portugal, uh, so we we we've been working remote. Uh, he's now in Berlin. I'm still here in Sweden, uh, but. Uh, yeah, we're, we've just taken a lot of Zoom calls, uh, talking with investors, uh, and then we clicked with um, uh, with uh, this firm called Nauta Capital. They're from, I think they're from Spain, but they have office in, in Spain, uh, UK, and uh, Germany, Berlin as well. No, but they, they, I think they also saw the big opportunity for some someone like Enhost to bring like a good open source alternative uh, to the market. And uh and just that there are so many front-end engineers, so many new engineers uh, coming out to the market, want to build things, want to have side projects, building stuff inside their, the companies that they're working at. But and yeah, like then we we have we we got some amazing uh, angel investors. Like we have uh, the the co um, the co-founders of GitHub are angel investing in Enhost. Um, co-founders of Netlify is uh, is investing in uh, Enhost. Um, so yeah, like it's a great, great group of people. Uh, I think 
all of us believe in the same thing is that and that is to empower um, engineers and de- developers and front end engineers to 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 build really cool things where I, th- I think we're just scratching on the surface of what's what can be built and gonna be built here so yeah the future future is bright I'd say yeah and I guess speaking of future like what's on your or if you can anything you can share about your roadmap um, you know what are you most excited about to be building in the next year or so yeah, so uh, like uh, this is uh, like obviously our own infrastructure, uh, and we we have a lot going on there, uh, and that's really exciting because uh, the way we're building it now is gonna is gonna accommodate for horizontal scaling basically across all services. So we will be and and also like read replicas in different uh, geographical locations. Uh, so, so we uh, like the way we're building it now will accommodate for for some great scaling and and to onboard a lot of big customers and because yeah we have a lot of big customers in the pipeline who want to use Zenhost but uh, at the moment we're we're um, we can't accommodate for that so that's that's something that I really look forward at the same time I look I'm looking forward to. Um, and maybe we, we could do like a secret announcement here, but we we uh, we uh, we're gonna launch a freemium version, which we don't have at the moment. Like you can test it out for fourteen days, and then you need to sort of upgrade to our first plan. But uh, and that's all only four dollars a month. Um, but we're gonna do a freemium version. We we really want to go broad and you know help a lot of uh, developers who wanna want to use Enhost. So that I'm looking forward to. Um, and um, yeah, I think those two those two things are some big ones. So if anyone out there is interested and wants to get involved, um, I, I believe uh, you're hiring, right? So um, should people get in touch with you? Can they contribute open source as well? Yeah. So uh, as you say, like we have a lot of open source projects and we have a lot of support from the community building stuff for us. So that's really great and that's really fun to see. And we try to support anyone who want to help us out on, on the open source and the community side. Also, we're looking to hire uh, some some really good uh, infrastructure engineers and DevOps engineers because we will take on the job of hosting a lot of our customers' uh, infrastructure. So we need to have like really good, really good infrastructure engineers. So that's something that we're on the look for, uh, as well as front end engineers and you know general back end um, engineers with um, with TypeScript uh, types. TypeScript and and Go uh, experience. That's also something that we're looking for. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Um, this was really interesting to learn about Enhost, and um, we will put a link in the episode description, both to Enhost and to your your careers page. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thanks for having me here, Ben. Thanks. Hi, thanks for listening. Um, Please remember to like, subscribe, uh, email me if you want, even though none of you do. Go to logrocket.com and and try it out. It's free to try. Then it costs money, but yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.